0: Hi everybody, welcome to Through the Bible in a Year with Pastor John. So glad you could join me today to get a portion of God's Word. Today we're going to begin with day 231, August eighteenth, Ezekiel 16-19, to Parables of Judgment for Judah. Overview. Using a picturesque series of allegories and parables, Ezekiel continues his dual message of horror and hope, like an unfaithful wife. God's people have gone after other gods. They have committed spiritual adultery and prostituted their privileged position. But God's love remains ever faithful for the objects of his delight. Using illustrations drawn from nature, the prophet portrays the reasons for God's coming discipline and gives a sobering reminder the person who sins is the one who will die. 1820 Chapter 16 Parable of the Unfaithful Wife Graphic Lessons Chapter 17, Parable of the Eagles, Graphic Lessons. Chapter 18, Proverb of the Sour Grapes, Graphic Lessons. Chapter 19, Picture of the Lioness, Grim Lament. Insight, The Madness of Unfaithfulness, Ezekiel 16.34 You've heard the maxim, Dog bites man, that's not news. Man bites dog, that's news. A prostitute who is paid for her wickedness, isn't newsworthy because she isn't unusual. On the other hand, a prostitute who pays those who come to her would definitely attract attention. In Ezekiel's day, Israel had become front-page material. She had committed such mad willful idolatry that God likened her to a prostitute who paid her customers. 16.34 Insight, Who's Who? Ezekiel seventeen one to 8 To unravel the puzzle of chapter 17, use this guide great eagle, verse 3, Nebuchadnezzar, top of a cedar tree, verse 3, house of David, highest branch, verse 4, Jehoiachin, city filled with merchants, verse 4, Babylon, seedling, verse 5, Zedekiah, another great eagle, verse 7, king of Egypt, insight, justice and mercy in balance, Ezekiel eighteen twenty one, in a book so full of judgment, it's easier to miss God's mercy. Don't overlook Ezekiel 18, 23, and 32. God takes no delight in bringing retribution. His greater desire is for repentance and restoration. Ezekiel 16. Jerusalem, an unfaithful wife. Then another message came to me from the Lord, Son of Man. Confront Jerusalem with her detestable sins. Give her this message from the Sovereign Lord. You are nothing but a Canaanite. Your father was an Amorite, and your mother a Hittite. On the day you were born, no one cared about you. Your umbilical cord was not cut, and you were never washed, rubbed with salt and wrapped in cloth. No one had the slightest interest in you. No one pitied you or cared for you. On the day you were born, you were unwanted, dumped in a field, and left to die. But I came by and saw you there, helplessly kicking about in your own blood. As you lay there, I said, live and I helped you to thrive like a plant in the field. You grew up and became a beautiful jewel. Your breast became full and your body hair grew, but you were still naked. And when I passed by again, I saw that you were old enough for love. So I wrapped my cloak around you to cover your nakedness and declared my marriage vow. I made a covenant with you, says the Sovereign Lord, and you became mine. Then I bathed you and washed off your blood, and I rubbed fragrant oils into your skin. I gave you expensive clothing of fine linen and silk, beautifully embroidered, and sandals made of fine goatskin leather. I gave you lovely jewelry, bracelets, beautiful necklaces, a ring for your nose, earrings for your ears, and a lovely crown for your head, and so you were adorned with gold and silver. Your clothes were made of fine linen and costly fabric, and were beautifully embroidered. You ate the finest foods, choice flour, honey, and olive oil, and became more beautiful than ever. You looked like a queen, and so you were. Your fame soon spread throughout the world because of your beauty. I dressed you in my splendor and perfected your beauty, says the Sovereign Lord. But you thought your fame and beauty were your own, so you gave yourself as a prostitute to every man who came along. Your beauty was theirs for the basking. You used the lovely things I gave you to make shrines for idols, where you played the prostitute. Unbelievable. How could such a thing ever happen? You took the very jewels and gold and silver ornaments I had given you and made statues of men and worshiped them. This is adultery against me. You used the beautifully embroidered clothes I gave you to dress your idols. Then you used my special oil and my incense to worship them. Imagine it. You set before them as a sacrifice, the choice flower, olive oil, and honey I had given you, says the Sovereign Lord. Then you took your sons and daughters, the children you had borne to me, and sacrificed them to your gods. Was your prostitution not enough? Must you also slaughter my children by sacrificing them to idols? In all your years of adultery and detestable sin, you have not once remembered the days long ago when you lay naked in a field, kicking about in your own blood. What sorrow awaits you, says the Sovereign Lord. In addition to all your other wickedness, you built a pagan shrine and put altars to idols in every town square. On every street corner you defiled your beauty, offering your body to every passerby in an endless stream of prostitution. Then you added lustful Egypt to your lovers, provoking my anger with your increasing promiscuity. That is why I struck you with my fist and reduced your boundaries. I handed you over to your enemies, the Philistines, and even they were shocked by your lewd conduct. You have prostituted yourself with the Assyrians, too. It seems you can never find enough new lovers. And after your prostitution there, you still were not satisfied. You added to your lovers by embracing Babylonia, the land of merchants, but you still weren't satisfied. What a sick heart you have, says the Sovereign Lord. To do such things as these acting like a shameless prostitute. You build your pagan shrines on every street corner and your altars to idols in every square. In fact, you have been worse than a prostitute, so eager for sin that you have not even demanded payment. Yes, you are an adulterous wife who takes in strangers instead of her own husband. Prostitutes charge for their services, but not you. You give gifts to your lovers, bribing them to come and have sex with you. So you are the opposite of other prostitutes. You pay your lovers instead of their paying you. Judgment on Jerusalem's prostitution. Therefore, you prostitute, listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Because you have poured out your lust and exposed yourself in prostitution to all your lovers, and because you have worshipped detestable idols, and because you have slaughtered your children as sacrifices to your gods, this is what I am going to do. I will gather together all your allies, the lovers with whom you have sinned, both those you loved and those you hated, and I will strip you naked in front of them so they can stare at you. I will punish you for your murder and adultery. I will cover you with blood in my jealous fury. Then I will give you to these many nations who are your lovers, and they will destroy you. They will knock down your pagan shrines and the altars to your idols. They will strip you and take your beautiful jewels, leaving you stock naked. They will band together in a mob to stone you and cut you up with swords. They will burn your homes and punish you in front of many women. I will stop your prostitution and end your payments to your many lovers. Then at last my fury against you will be spent and my jealous anger will subside. I will be calm and will not be angry with you anymore. But first, because you have not remembered your youth, but have angered me by doing all these evil things, I will fully repay you for all of your sins, says the Sovereign Lord. For you have added lewd acts to all your detestable sins. Everyone who makes up Proverbs will say of you, like mother, like daughter. For your mother loathed her husband and her children, and so do you. And you are exactly like your sisters, for they despise their husbands and their children. Truly your mother was a Hittite and your father an Amorite. Your older sister was Samaria, who lived with their daughters in the north. Your younger sister was Sodom, who lived with their daughters in the south. But you have not merely sinned as they did. You quickly surpassed them in corruption. As surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, Sodom and her daughters were never as wicked as you and your daughters. Sodom's sins were pride, gluttony and laziness, while the poor and needy suffered outside her door. She was proud and committed detestable sins, so I wiped her out, as you have seen. Even Samaria didn't commit half your sins. You have done far more detestable things than your sisters ever did. They seem righteous compared to you. Shame on you. Your sins are so terrible that you make your sisters seem righteous, even virtuous. But someday, I will restore the fortunes of Sodom and Samaria and will restore you too. Then you will be truly ashamed of everything you have done for your sins make them feel good in comparison. Yes, your sister Sodom and Samaria and all their people will be restored. And at that time, you will also be restored. In your proud days, you held Sodom in contempt. But now your greater wickedness has been exposed to all the world. And you are the one who is scorned by Edom and all her neighbors and by Philistia. This is your punishment for all your lewdness and detestable sins, says the Lord. Now this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I will give you what you deserve, for you have taken your solemn vows lightly by breaking your covenant. Yet I will remember the covenant I made with you when you were young, and I will establish an everlasting covenant with you. Then you will remember with shame all the evil you have done. I will make your sisters, Samaria and Sodom, to be your daughters, even though they are not part of our covenant. And I will reaffirm my covenant with you, and you will know that I am the Lord. You will remember your sins and cover your mouth in silent shame when I forgive you of all that you have done. I, the Sovereign Lord, have spoken. Ezekiel 17 The story of two eagles. Then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, give this riddle and tell this story to the people of Israel. Give them this message from the sovereign Lord. A great eagle with broad wings and long feathers, covered with many colored plumage, came to Lebanon. He seized the top of a cedar tree and plucked off its highest branch. He carried it away to a city filled with merchants. He planted it in a city of traders. He also took a seedling from the land and planted it in fertile soil. He placed it beside a broad river where he could grow like a willow tree. It took root there and grew into a low spreading vine. Its branches turned up toward the eagle and its roots grew down into the ground. It produced strong branches and put out shoots. But then another great eagle came with broad wings and full plumage. So the vine now sent its roots and branches towards him for water, even though it was already planted in good soil and had plenty of water, so it could grow into a splendid vine and produce rich leaves and luscious fruit. So now the Sovereign Lord asks, Will this vine grow and prosper? No, I will pull it up, roots and all. I will cut off its fruit and let its leaves wither and die. I will pull it up easily without a strong arm or large army. But when the vine is transplanted, will it thrive? No, it will wither away. When the east wind blows against it, it will die in the same good soil where it had grown so well. The riddle explained. Then this message came to me from the Lord. Say to these rebels of Israel, don't you understand the meaning of this riddle of the eagles? The king of Babylon came to Jerusalem, took away her king and princes, and brought them to Babylon, He made a treaty with a member of the royal family and forced him to take an oath of loyalty. He also exiled Israel's most influential leaders so Israel would not become strong again in revolt. Only by keeping her treaty with Babylon could Israel survive. Nevertheless, this man of Israel's royal family rebelled against Babylon sending ambassadors to Egypt to request a great army and many horses. Can Israel break her sworn treaties like that and get away with it? No, for as surely as I live, says the Sovereign Lord, the King of Israel, will die in Babylon, the land of the King who put him in power and whose treaty he disregarded and broke. Pharaoh and all his mighty army will fail to help Israel when the King of Babylon Lays siege to Jerusalem again and destroys many lives. But the king of Israel disregarded his treaty and broke it after swearing to obey, therefore he will not escape. So, this is what the sovereign Lord says As surely as I live, I will punish him for breaking my covenant and disregarding the solemn oath he made in my name. I will throw my net over him and capture him in my snare. I will bring him to Babylon and put him on trial for his treason against me, and all his best warriors will be killed in battle, and those who survive will be scattered to the four winds, and you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I will take a branch from the top of a tall cedar, and I will plant it on the top of Israel's highest mountain. It will become a majestic cedar, sending forth its branches and producing seed. Birds of every sort will nest in it, finding shelter in the shade of its branches. And all the trees will know that it is I, the Lord, who cuts the tall tree down and makes the short tree grow tall. It is I who makes the green tree wither and gives the dead tree new life. I, the Lord, have spoken and will do what I said. Ezekiel 18. The justice of a righteous God. Then another message came to me from the Lord. Why do you quote this proverb concerning the land of Israel? The parents have eaten sour grapes, but their children's mouths pucker at the taste as surely as I live, says the Sovereign Lord. You will not quote this proverb any more in Israel. for all people are mine to judge both parents and children alike, and this is my rule: The person who sins is the one who will die. Suppose a certain man is righteous. And does what is just and right. He does not feast in the mountains before Israel's idols or worship them. He does not commit adultery or have intercourse with a woman during her menstrual period. He is a merciful creditor, not keeping the items given as security by poor debtors. He does not rob the poor, but instead gives food to the hungry and provides clothes for the needy. He grants loans without interest, stays away from injustice, and is honest and fair when judging others and faithfully obeys my decrees and regulations. Anyone who does these things is just, and will surely live, says the Sovereign Lord. But suppose that man has a son who grows up to be a robber or murderer, and refuses to do what is right, and that son does all the evil things his father would never do. He worships idols on the mountains, commits adultery, oppresses the poor, and helpless, steals from debtors by refusing to let them redeem their security, worships idols, commits detestable sins, and lends money at excessive interest. Should such a sinful person live? No, he must die and must take full blame. But suppose that sinful son, in turn, has a son who sees his father's wickedness and decides against that kind of life. This son refuses to worship idols on the mountains and does not commit adultery. He does not exploit the poor, but instead is fair to debtors and does not rob them. He gives food to the hungry and provides clothes for the needy. He helps the poor, does not lend money at interest, and obeys all my regulations and decrees. Such a person will not die because of his father's sins. He will surely live, but the father will die for his many sins, for being cruel, robbing people, and doing what is clearly wrong among his people. What, you ask, doesn't the child pay for the parent's sins? No. For if the child does what is just and right and keeps my decrees, that child will surely live. The person who sins is the one who will die. The child will not be punished for the parent's sins, and the parent will not be punished for the child's sins. Righteous people will be rewarded for their own righteous behavior, and wicked people will be punished for their own wickedness. But if wicked people turn away from all their sins and begin to obey my decrees and do what is just and right, they will surely live and not die. All their past sins will be forgotten and they will live because of the righteous things they have done. Do you think that i like to see wicked people die, says the Sovereign Lord? Of course not. I want them to turn from their wicked ways and live. However, if righteous people turn from their righteous behavior, and start doing sinful things, and act like other sinners, should they be allowed to live? No, of course not. All their righteous acts will be forgotten, and they will die for their sins. Yet you say, the Lord isn't doing what's right. Listen to me, O people of Israel. Am I the one not doing what's right, or is it you? When righteous people turn from their righteous behavior, and start doing sinful things, they will die for it. Yes, they will die because of their sinful deeds, and if wicked people turn from their wickedness, obey the law, and do what is just and right, they will save their lives. They will live because they thought it over and decided to turn from their sins. Such people will not die. And yet the people of Israel keep saying, the Lord isn't doing what's right. Oh, people of Israel, it is you who are not doing what is right, not I. Therefore. I will judge each of you, O people of Israel, according to your actions, says the Sovereign Lord. Repent and turn from your sins. Don't let them destroy you. Put all your rebellion behind you and find yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die, O people of Israel? I don't want you to die, says the Sovereign Lord. Turn back and live. Ezekiel 19, a funeral song for Israel's kings. Sing this funeral song for the princes of Israel. What is your mother? A lioness among lions? She lay down among the young lions and reared her cubs. She raised one of her cubs to become a strong young lion. He learned to hunt and devour prey, and he became a man-eater. Then the nations heard about him, and he was trapped in their pit. They led him away with hooks to the land of Egypt. When the lioness saw that her hopes for him were gone, She took another of her cubs and taught him to be a strong young lion. He prowled among the other lions and stood out among them in his strength. He learned to hunt and devour prey and he too became a man eater. He demolished fortresses and destroyed their towns and cities. Their farms were desolated and their crops were destroyed. The land and its people trembled in fear when they heard him roar. Then the armies of the nations attacked him surrounding him from every direction. They threw a net over him and captured him in their pit. With hooks, they dragged him into a cage and brought him before the king of Babylon. They held him in captivity so his voice could never again be heard on the mountains of Israel. Your mother was like a vine planted by the water's edge. It had lush, green foliage because of the abundant water. Its branches became strong Strong enough to be a ruler's scepter, it grew very tall, towering above all others. It stood out because of its height and its many lush branches, but the vine was uprooted in fury and thrown down to the ground. The desert wind dried up its fruit and tore off its strong branches so that it withered and was destroyed by fire. Now the vine is transplanted to the wilderness where the ground is hard and dry. A fire has burst out from its branches and devoured its fruit. Its remaining limbs are not strong enough to be a ruler's scepter. This is a funeral song and it will be used in a funeral. My Daily Walk Perhaps God's providence is nowhere more evident than in the fact that he gives parents 12 years to develop a love for their children before he turns them into teenagers. Chapter 18 contains some sobering words for teens and for God's children of all ages. It's a reminder of personal accountability, of the fact that we cannot and dare not attempt to pin the blame for today's problems on yesterday's generation. Are you the product of godly parents? Then thank God. But don't think he will ignore your willful rebellion because your parents are godly. 18.5.13 Are you the child of a rebellious or backslidden parent? Don't think you can use that as an excuse for avoiding the clear and insistent commands of God's word, 1820. Make an appointment to take a parent or child out for a special meal this week, or call a family member who is out of town. If there is a root of bitterness between you, confess it. If there has been indifference or lack of accountability in your relationship, change it. The best way to keep teens at home is to make home pleasant and let the air out of their tires. That's That's good advice. That's all for today, my friends. It was great reading along with you. Have a great day, and God bless you. Keep up the good work, and I will see you tomorrow. Lord willing, peace.